Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing about healthy diets and how obtaining one doesn't mean you must reach the highest heights of perfection. But first, Nicole, let's do some catching up. What's been going on? Uh, so for, well, anybody other than Gina, but I just posted on Instagram a sexy picture of myself in a charcoal mask that is quickly hardening. And so if my voice sounds funny, it's probably because today has railroaded me in addition to the fact that I'm, I'm losing like um, mo- mobility in my face. So my <laughs> my jaw and nose and everything is like not wanting to move. And uh, yeah, so other stuff going on. Um, I think similar to yourself, I, I decluttered. Um, we had one of those like super large suitcases that's that was really cheap. It was falling apart. So we were like, OK, this cannot get checked on another flight. And it's been sitting in the corner of our bedroom for an embarrassing length of time. And I've been slowly <laughs> filling it with like clothes like, oh, this, you know, has a stain or whatever. Th- just throwing clothes in there to go to go to Goodwill or just get out of the house. And so on Saturday, I literally cleared out. I I said 25%, but at least 20% of my closet. I was, I was pitching clothes out the closet and the girls were filling up the suitcase. And then we quickly had to move to garbage bags and we filled the back of my Explorer and took everything to Goodwill. It was gone on Saturday. So, so refreshing. I love that. Felt So good. Yeah. It was awesome. And then I, the next day, so on Sunday, I kind of decluttered, um, we have like built-in bookshelves in our family room and I got rid of a, basically a dumpster full of books. Um, it would be mm-hmm. like the equivalent. So they all got recycled and everything, but I got rid of my Krauss for all you nutrition majors out there. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I told you, Gina, I, I've been a dietitian for 10 years. The chances of that Krauss being outdated are pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. So it was like time to go. So yeah, just, uh, just kind of some fall cleanup and yeah, this week it's Thursday. Uh and this yeah. week just has really kicked my butt. That's all. So Yeah, mine too. I've got my self-care th- going on. I'm like, okay, we we're recording this episode again because unfortunately I I screwed something up. And so we're it's fine. We're recording this again. You forgive me. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I was just like, please, I need we some haven't self-care. done it in the past. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Like this is probably the fourth time we've had to re uh script or re, you know, speak record an episode. It's happened again. It'll probably happen again. No big deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, the eating disorder one was the worst because we, oh we, we did it so many times. We're like, we have to just completely shelve this idea for a while because we cannot talk about eating disorders <laughs> one more time. It's like, <laughs> so I had to tell my story again. I'm so sick of hearing yours, telling mine. Like, good Lord. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. So oh. what's going on, Gina? You're having a bad week, too. It's not necessarily a bad week. There's just so much going on, you know, and and it's I'm honestly getting really grumpy from the 90 degree weather we're having. It's making me grumpy and just I just feel I just feel sick from it. I'm just so ready for fall weather, which we're supposed to get tomorrow, which is Friday. It's it was 90 degrees today. Tomorrow is supposed to be 60. I'm not sure how that happens. Like actually 90 degrees today. Yes. Did you guys not have 90 degree weather today? No. Really? No. Because you guys have the lake effect. 
right? Yeah. Well, and we're further north, but yeah, right, interesting. Right. Um, ninety, jeez, ninety I mean, degrees. The last three days, they've had to cancel school in our in our local district. Stop it! School no, canceled in October. So okay, school was canceled because so I live in Columbus, Ohio. So the Columbus City Schools. This is really really sad. Actually, they don't have air conditioning. So. You know, where I live, they do. So the kids had school. But of course, in the suburb or the, you know, city of Columbus, they don't have AC. It's it's really terrible. I think that they're going to pass a levy this year and do something about that. But yeah, so they had to cancel school because it was so frick frack and hot in there. They couldn't even focus. Yeah. So 90 degrees in October. So the only other 90, the time we've had 90 degree weather this year has been over the summer when they weren't in school. So it hasn't been an issue. But here it is, October and 90 degrees. So our my proposed winter trip to uh, like <laughs> northern Indiana to do a VRBO in, is uh, is sounding appealing to you? <laughs> well, right now I'm like begging for summer. I can't or winter. I can't wait for it. Like bring on the cold weather at this point. But yes, I'm sure in the middle of January, February, I'll be ready to escape the winter and I'll be waiting for the 90 degree weather to come back. So, yes, I'm definitely I'm, I'm into it for sure. Yeah. So funny. What else is going on? So we are also decluttering. So we're actually, I'm sorry, Saturday morning after Paige has dance class, we are dropping the kids off at my dad and and his wife's house. So grandpa guy and granny P they're going to spend the whole day with them actually about 24 hours because we're not going to pick them up until Sunday morning the next day. And we are going to go to town on the house and just completely declutter the entire house, starting with the basement, going up to the kitchen the kids' rooms especially, which right now, speaking of, of books, I mean, we have so many kids' books. It's unreal. I don't even know why we bother going to the library to get new books, but a lot of the books are just old from when they were babies. So we just need to get rid of We need to do some decluttering. So we're doing that this weekend. I'm very, very excited about it. Like, I'm really giddy about it. It's, you might think I'm a little bit weird that I'm, I'm giddy about decluttering, but both my husband and I are kind of neat freaks. So we're very excited about this. We've been, we've, it's been on the calendar for a month. And then we might go to the Michigan State game if we don't sell our tickets. Regardless, we'll be watching it because Ohio State's playing Michigan State, which is supposed to be a pretty big game. It's two Big Ten teams. So, oh, yeah, you know, for sure. Yeah. Go green. It'll be good. Okay. You had to throw that in there, didn't you? Had to. <laughs> you already told you me as long as I don't say go blue. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. So go green. We're still friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's about it. I, I, I just put Cameron to bed and I'm at that point in his life he, about when they turn three and see it to let me know if you agree with this where they and they start actually enjoying being read to which I really appreciate but they always have a book or two that they insist on being read every single night and it's always the longest most boring ridiculous book do you guys have anything like that and you're going on in your family uh we're really into the wild th- where the wild things are where oh, the wild yeah. things live yeah, you know what book I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I love that book. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not too. long. Like it's kind of yeah. pointless. But Cameron every night insists on being read this National Geographic book about dolphins. Oh, and geez. it actually takes you through <laughs> how they get trained. And, and, it, and it brings you to SeaWorld. And it's, I mean, it's an interesting book, but it was written in the, in the 70s. And it's just, I'm, I'm over it. I'm so, I'm so ready to be done with that book. Every night he finds it. I'm thinking it might get lost in the declutter this weekend. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Nicole, it's episode 30 today. 
when this comes out, this will be, this is our 30th episode. We're basically professional photographers or photo- uh, uh, podcasters. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, for sure. Deliriously to- tired. <laughs> <laughs> it's that mask. Not to say that we've only recorded 30 episodes. Cause as we said previously, we've probably recorded about 50, <laughs> but this is the 30, mm. 30th one going live. So, so. So our topic for today is, I think, one that makes sense for our 30th episode, and that is how eating healthy doesn't mean perfection or doesn't mean having to be perfect. We've discussed our food philosophies, I think, in the past many times on this podcast and have answered questions about our diets in depth. But today's episode dives deeper into the idea that healthy eating is not perfect and really shouldn't be perfect. So the term, quote unquote, healthy diet has a different meaning for just about everyone. And in this social media obsessed world, it's quite ubiquitous. And we're going to go over that here in a second. Although no one would come out and say that they actually believe that a healthy diet means eating perfectly, the things we hear and even say sometimes come across as though that is our thinking. It's kind of like an all or nothing mentality that that we have a lot of times. So for example, you or I or some someone might say something like, I shouldn't get the fried chicken. It's not good for me. You know, when you're at a restaurant or something, or I'll just have salad instead of fries because fries aren't on my diet. Or this drink has artificial sugars. I shouldn't consume those. Those are dangerous. Uh, we talk as if one perceived quote unquote bad for us food will make or break any healthy goals we have. So as I mentioned, healthy eating has a different meaning for everyone. Literally everyone. I mean, if you asked a million people on the streets, no one would give you the same answer. As registered dietitians, we have our own definition for what a healthy diet should look like. And while we may not all agree as nutrition professionals what exactly a healthy diet is, we do all agree on something, I think. And that is that servings and food groups aside, your healthy diet should include all foods regardless of their ranking and should be enjoyable and sustainable for you. Otherwise, how healthy is it really? So that's just like a little introduction into the topic. But now I kind of want to dive into what the FDA or the Federal Department of Agriculture. Oh my gosh, right? FDA, Federal Department of Agriculture. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds right. I'll Google Why it. does that not sound right? The FDA. <laughs> or so okay, wait. <laughs> a Food and Drug Administration. Food, thank you. <laughs> I was like, that is not right. Thank you. Food and we Drug Administration. We are losing cred quickly. Okay, we both knew that. We did. <laughs> Why did I even have to go into it? I just had to say the FDA. And then there's the USDA, which actually is the United States Department of Agriculture. Man, I'm getting confused. They both have definitions uh, about healthy in some way. So, for example, the FDA, they actually are in charge of labels on food. Okay, so they have health claims and nutrient claims. And one of the health claims that they regulate is the term healthy, which we'll go into in a second. So the USDA, they're in charge of writing the dietary guidelines with obviously a lot of help from other people including the public. So the dietary guidelines are actually going to be coming out again, the latest edition in 2020. So very soon. So they get updated every five years. So the 2015 to 2020 ones, I'm going to be going over here in a second. And then the ones for 2020 will be released in early 2020, probably March or April. So I'm actually really excited about that. And then we're also going to discuss quickly kind of what social media says about healthy eating and what happens when you look up the hashtag healthy eating, what kind of things pop up from people who are posting on social media, specifically Twitter or Instagram. So we're just going to kind of dive into those real quick. I'm going to start with how the FDA or the Food and Drug Administration, (laughs) 
<laughs> defines foods as healthy. I'm not going to go over the details of what what it actually means if you see the word healthy on a on a label. Honestly, you can look it up at any time and find it pretty easily, but just to kind of break it down in layman's terms, it looks at total fat, saturated fat, sodium, and then also it wants the product to have at least 10% of the daily value of at least one of those micronutrients, iron, vitamin A, vitamin C, or calcium. So that's kind of how a food gets defined as healthy or not. They are definitely looking in and I'm, and I had, I wasn't really able to find a whole lot of information on this, but from what I am reading, they're working towards updating that definition, which it needs an update clearly for several reasons that that needs to be updated for, for one, we're changing the, the food label. So vitamin A, vitamin C will no longer even be listed on the food label. And then another thing is that the term healthy, they don't even look at added sugars or types of fat. So there was a whole controversy, I think several years ago about kind bars. They were denied the use of the word healthy, even though in my opinion, and I think in your opinion as well, and many healthcare professionals, I would consider a kind bar at least a better for you choice. We both talk about how we don't necessarily love the word healthy. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very, uh, it's part of a balanced diet for sure. But the, you know, the FDA wouldn't let them use the word healthy because it's so high in fat, but it's good fats. So that was kind of the argument there. So they're looking at changing how they're using the term healthy. What else? Oh, and they were also, so they're actually asking for public input on what we think would be a good use of the word healthy. And I think another good thing to consider is that we as human beings, we don't eat, we eat food in groups or together in combinations, not necessarily single items. So to term, to, to call one item like a kind bar healthy, it's kind of not helpful because typically you're eating a kind bar with something else anyway. So we eat food in combination. So is it really useful to call something out as healthy anyway on a label? So that's kind of what they're looking at currently at, at the FDA and in the public and other healthcare professionals are coming together to kind of give their input. So I'm really curious. I believe that the new definition or new strategy for helping customers find healthy options is going to come out sometime in 2020. Have you heard anything about that, Nicole? Um, If I'm not mistaken, vitamin A or C are being replaced with potassium, correct? Yeah. And I want to say, and also magnesium, but I'm, okay. so actually, no, I think it's going to be iron, vitamin D, calcium yeah. and potassium. Yeah. That's what it is. Nope. You're yeah. right. And I absolutely wholeheartedly endorse that change. Um, absolutely. Just because we spend so much time focusing on sodium and potassium is like literally 50% of the equation. So yeah. it's, it's like, it's an injustice really to talk about sodium without talking about potassium. Um, and sometimes too, I think shining a light on better for you options, let's say. So rather than focusing on things that are lower in sodium, why not make that shift towards, why don't we focus on foods that are higher in potassium? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just mm-hmm. that it's just a mental shift towards more of a negative connotation to a positive connotation. Right. I agree with you. Like look, it's it's almost like what to look for on a label rather than what to avoid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, that was another comment in the whole changing of the term healthy, actually, that a lot of 
um, the lay public or consumers are looking at things to avoid on labels versus what uh, what to look for, which actually is actually kind of the opposite of what you just said. But I, I feel like it's good to look at the positive and look at things to, that you want to include in your diet versus what to get rid of. Mm-hmm. But actually, a lot of customers are looking at what to avoid, like GMOs, for example, or trans fat. Yeah, or, partially hydrogenated oils. Yep. Yes. And I, the list can go on and on. There's so many other. High fructose corn other, syrup. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And so that was kind of part of the argument, too, of the use healthy in the definition that as it is currently, how it needs to be looked at. But going back to what you said, yeah, I do think it's also helpful to have potassium and sodium on the list because maybe mm-hmm. something is higher in sodium, but it's also higher in potassium. So it mm-hmm. might not be so bad, right? Not yeah. Really bad, but it might not be as bad as it looks if there's a tons of, if, there, if there's a ton of sodium, but it also has, you know, 50% potassium. That's great. So depending thing, on what it is. Kind of looking at the list here for FDA, um, cholesterol is still making the cut. And mm. that's curious because cholesterol recommendations, I don't know, what was it, two or three years ago, went away completely. Um, correct? Yeah. Okay. So okay. that is the, that's the current use of the term healthy where it says cholesterol, mm-hmm. where it looks at cholesterol. Yeah. So it looks at oh, fat, gotcha. saturated fat and cholesterol, but still again, another, another reason why we shouldn't be using it anymore because why are they looking at cholesterol? Yeah. I would rather see fiber in fiber, there. Yes. And I, and I think saturated fat is important, but cholesterol, I think it's, I think the research is overwhelming that mm-hmm. cholesterol and foods does not actually affect your cholesterol numbers. All right. So moving on, what about the uh, United States Department of Agriculture? So they, again, come out with dietary guidelines every year, which are super helpful. So generally speaking, the dietary guidelines are supposed, it's a, you know, 50 page more or less document that is meant for healthcare professionals to read and dissect and then kind of truncate so and make more legible for their customers and clients and the lay public. So the, the document itself is not necessarily for the lay public. There are some really helpful charts in there that could be useful, you know, that kind of describe eating patterns and how much, you know, fruits and vegetables to eat for cer- certain calorie needs. But generally, the whole document is for a healthcare professional to dissect and then give that information to their clients. That being said, they have a really good part of the dietary guidelines every year that are just key elements of healthy eating patterns that I really appreciate. I'm just going to go through this really briefly and anyone can find this. I believe I'm putting it in the show notes as well. So it says consume a healthy eating pattern that accounts for all foods and beverages within an appropriate calorie calorie level, which you would determine with your dietitian or healthcare professional. So a healthy eating pattern includes a variety of vegetables from all subgroups, dark green, red and orange legumes, which are beans and peas, starchy and other fruits, especially whole fruits grains, at least half of which are whole grains, fat-free or low-fat dairy, including milk, yogurt, cheese, and or fortified soy beverages, a variety of protein foods, including seafood, lean meats and poultry, eggs, legumes, and nuts, seeds, and again, soy products, and then oils. And, you know, so it's really just an overall guideline for, like it says, a healthy eating pattern. So it's not saying you need to get this every single day, but generally speaking, your average intake should include those foods. And I really love at the end, there's a there's a paragraph here and it says the 2015 to 2020 dietary guidelines provides five overarching guidelines that encourage healthy eating patterns, recognize that individuals will need to make shifts in their food and beverage choices to achieve a healthy pattern, 
and acknowledge that all segments of our society have a role to play in supporting healthy choices. These guidelines also embody the idea that a healthy eating pattern is not a rigid prescription, but rather an adaptable framework in which individuals can enjoy foods that meet their personal, cultural, and traditional preferences and fit within their budget. So I appreciate that that last sentence. Mm -hmm. It's not a rigid prescription, but rather basically a guideline for you. So what do you think about those general recommendations? What are what are your thoughts on them overall? Anything? I think it's very approachable. Um, yeah. You know, specific, uh, yet not overwhelming. Uh, yeah, I, I think they did a really nice job. I agree. Some nice and framework. You know, but I think anybody could take something away. And I, I think it's um, very respectful of meeting people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I do question, I, I'm wondering if in future uh, dietary guidelines that come out, perhaps the next one, they'll talk more about other options for fortified dairy-free beverages. You know, our last post was on, our last episode was on soy and how, you know, soy beverages are fine. In fact, two, I think we said two eight ounce glasses a day is actually can actually be very beneficial mm-hmm. for our health. And, but I'm wondering if they'll actually add to that list, you know, almond milk, rice milk, coconut milk. I realize that soy is the only one that's really similar to cow's milk as far as protein and fat. But I'm wondering, I mean, companies are are working hard to make sure that their almond milk and rice milk or hemp milk, whatever it is, is, is similar to soy. I think they're kind of starting to realize that, oh, we need to increase our protein. We need to increase our fat for, you know, kids, for example. So I'm wondering if in future, if future editions of the guidelines that will be included as well. And I also, I've noted, I noticed, so there's appendices, appendices in the dietary guidelines that I think are super useful. So it goes through healthy eating patterns and it, and it breaks down exactly what you need. It gets very detailed, almost to a monotonous level. It's, it's a little bit overwhelming actually, but it's something that you can sit down with a dietitian and kind of di- decipher a little bit and figure out how you can make it work for you. But it breaks down all different calorie needs uh, and what you need as far as fruits, vegetables, whole grains, protein, et cetera. They have one for just a, a regular eating pattern that includes meat and eggs. Then they have one for, I believe, like a lacto-ovo-vegetarian. And they have one for vegetarians. I'm wondering if the future... Uh, dietary guidelines will include one for someone who's following a vegan eating pattern and or people who are following gluten-free or, you know, dairy-free. I, I wonder if they're going to expand on that. But until then, these these charts that are found in the dietary guidelines are super, super helpful. And I, and I really, I think that they're, they were well, well thought out and put together, but they can get a little bit overwhelming. Just a, just a warning. Have you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it reminds that, me yeah. of DASH the dash diet. Yeah, it really does, which is they say supposed to be the mm. best, you know, eating pattern or eating plan. Yeah, there is one it of the healthiest Did the te- test of time for sure. Uh, yeah. One question on the protein section of the USDA guidelines for omnivores, let's say, does you listed off seafood prior to or maybe it was fish prior to like other proteins such as poultry or, or beef. Was that how it read out in the guidelines? It is a variety of protein foods, including seafood, food, lean meats, and poultry. Almost like they're they're saying it's, you know, the better for you protein. Yeah. Is that what you're 
Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I like it. It's mm-hmm. I think that's a protein that is easily overlooked and underutilized. And for those families out there who are looking for a protein that not only defrosts quickly and cooks quickly um, and is pretty versatile overall, I feel like seafood is the uh, unsung hero for sure. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I forgot to mention something else that I'm really hoping will. And I actually did submit this because they asked for public input on the USDA dietary guidelines. And I submitted my thoughts on including something about intuitive eating, because one thing that they did not mention in the, you know, just key recommendations is the importance of having a good relationship with food and enjoying the food that you eat. And I know that might sound like kind of a strange thing to put in dietary guidelines, but I think that we as Americans need that reminder, which is why we're doing this episode, right? I think it would be it would be great if that was in our dietary guidelines, a whole section on the importance of having a good relationship with food and enjoying the food that we're actually eating. Well, and that's so much more accessible and relevant than putting in a ca- 200 calorie range. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people do not, majority of people do not or cannot or do not know how to either count calories or do so accurately and completely. Yeah. Do you mean like the other category? Is that what you're talking about? Oh, what do you I, mean the 200 calorie range? Like, I mean, in Dash anyway, it's often like 1800 to 2000 calories. Oh, um, and they right, kind of right, break right. down like the food pattern for eat, like a 200 calorie range seems to be kind of the most common. Yeah. I'm not sure how yeah. it is in USDA. Is it more than 200? I honestly haven't looked at them in a while. I feel like it is actually 200. It's like 16, 18, 2000. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's just, that's a typical. That's just not as standard. accessible as kind of some basic mind mindfulness exercises or, or just awareness, I guess. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I, I'm i just really against counting cal- calories in general. So, so yeah, but they have to have something. I mean, that's that's the thing about that document. It has to be concrete and specific. Uh, yeah, I think they have they have they have to have that in there. Yep. <laughs> All right. So what about social media? I really thought it would be fun to type in, you know, when you search hashtags, the hashtag healthy diet, just to see what kind of things come up. What are we as human beings, what are we considering a healthy diet, uh, at least according to what we post on social media? So some of the things I found is keto. That was probably the number one post that I would see. I would see keto hashtag and then hashtag healthy diet. And it was a picture of some keto friendly recipe or plate or whatever it was. I saw a lot of before and after. So someone who lost a lot of weight and then hashtag healthy diet. Uh, weightlifting photos or something promoting a weightlifting supplement or protein powder. Protein was also big. So kind of going back to the keto. Uh, I did see a few here and there raw vegan posts uh, that were supporting a recipe or, or a plate or someone who followed a raw vegan diet, you know, and had good success. Healthy diet was the hashtag. Lots of fruits and vegetables, which I also, I always love to see that. Lots of simple recipes. And it's just going to be interesting. I think every year this changes, you know, last year, I think you said this yesterday when we recorded this, the big, the big thing was intermittent fasting. So if I had typed in the hashtag healthy diet posts on intermittent fasting probably would have popped up now. Granted, I'm sure there were a few now too, but I, I think it's, it's kind of fading away as keto takes over. Who knows what will bring, what will come about next year. I'm 
really excited to find out. <laughs> so I don't know. I, th- I thought that was kind of a fun activity. So here's one that's kind of cringeworthy because, of course, I had to do this while you were talking about it. I searched the healthy like hashtag healthy diet on Instagram. And there is one of those side by sides. And on the left, it says silly. 140 calories, and then it has 15 large jelly beans. And then on the right, it says smart, 140 calories of 24 large strawberries. And then, of course, under the smart, it also has follow at blah, 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 blah. Oh, good. What a damaging message. Like, (laughs) I I mean, wow, that's aggressive. I mean, silly and smart, those are, that's, that's some harmful messaging. It's just, it just goes back to the whole good and bad. You know, that's what it, it, it's just perpetuating that same message that continues to go through social media, um, all media. I feel like everything you read, see, it, it just goes back to that. You know, these foods are good. These foods are bad, which is the best message that we're trying to, I think, get rid of as dietitians. And I would say that most dietitians feel that way. Like that is a terrible message. Yes. But so many people, I mean, yeah, I, you, those are the kind of posts that you see all the time. And it's. It's sad. Yeah. I mean, just the word silly and smart. Yeah. I don't. And this is the kind of things that our kids will see, you know, and that's what's really scary in my in my opinion. So my goal is to keep my kids away from social media as as much as possible. But unfortunately, they're also going to see it on, you know, on television and magazines. So you can't escape it just by avoiding social media. But it's certainly something that you're going to see more of on social media when people are posting about, you know, weight loss or whatever they're trying to promote. Uh, their own personal success stories, whatever it is. But yeah, that's a good example. Good find. Good, terrible find. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Nicole, what is your personal definition of a healthy diet? Yeah. So balanced and maintainable uh, are kind of front and, you know, those two things first and foremost. And then I just think of lots of variety uh, plentiful in diet in, in, I'm sorry, in fruits, vegetables, and then limited in added sugars. But I think mm-hmm. similar to yourself, I kind of cringe at the word healthy, uh, just because mm-hmm. nutrition is so individualized. And I think I told you the story yesterday when we recorded the first time, but, mm-hmm. uh, y- you know, dietitians run into this all the time. Um, where, and I don't mean this to discredit the knowledge of anyone who's not a dietitian about nutrition, because a lot of people know a lot about nutrition. Um, but it, it doesn't necessarily make you qualified to look at the overall health of a complete person. I mean, weight status is one piece of a puzzle. It is not looking at the overall, like what else is going on with that person. And so dietitians are specifically trained to look at the entire individual, the health history, all of those types of things. And so it just goes way beyond Mm -hmm. like eat this many calories or eat this many carbs. I mean, that's just minimizing um, the work of a dietitian and kind of what we do. And so I think overall, what I would want people to know about my definition of healthy is that it is super individualized to the person. Like, like a low FODMAP diet to me would not be a healthy choice. I don't, I don't have IBS. I don't have any reason to follow a low FODMAP diet or any other type of, um, I mean, the FODMAPs is for a lot of different things, but, um, I don't, happen to have any of those complications or diseases or conditions. And so mm-hmm. that for me would be omitting foods unnecessarily that would limit the variety in my diet. Right. Yeah. And let's be honest, as we heard on, on the low FODMAP episode, I have to avoid more so in the past than now, a lot of foods that are super good for me, garlic, onion, so good for your, you know, your gut, 
And I foods that you love. Foods. And foods that I love, of course, especially garlic. Ooh. <laughs> I'm I'm adding them back though. So that's good. But yeah, I, I agree. And and how many times as a dietitian do you get asked, you know, is this healthy or should I be eating this? Or what do you eat uh, to be healthy? You know, and it, you're right. It is all individualized. I have a table where at the university where I work that I'll set up twice a month. And it says, ask, ask the dietitian. So I have college students coming up and asking me questions. I get so many questions. What should I eat? They'll just come to me and say, okay, what should I eat? And I look at them and I'm like, that is not the kind of question that you should be asking me right now. I mean, I like, need to sit what down. Do you there's like so to many, eat? <laughs> yeah. And that, I mean, there's, yes, eat what you like, eat what you enjoy. But also it's like, I don't know anything about you. I, I don't, I have no idea what you should eat. I mean, at this point, yeah, just eat foods that you love. So it's, it's an open-ended and very personal and individualized question. So mm-hmm. So, okay. So like I said, I get asked this question a lot. And for me, a healthy diet is one that you can follow and enjoy. And one that includes an abundance of different foods, different colors. And of course, I always say lots of fruits and vegetables. If you don't do anything, just get your fruits and vegetables. That's what I always say. Uh, make that And how many servings would you say you generally recommend as a blanket statement? Yeah. So servings. So I usually use cups because I feel like it's a little bit less overwhelming because it's the mm-hmm. serving recommendations what five to nine Woo! so I generally say like two to three cups a day because I feel like that sounds a lot less yeah overwhelming mm-hmm. and then I use my fist and I say you know like two or three of these a day hmm. what about you what do you say See, that's interesting. I always go with servings of five to nine because I feel like people automatically go, holy crap, like I'm not getting anywhere near that. I'm like, yep, there you go. Like, <laughs> like if that's what you walk away with today, that's a, you know, that's a good place yeah. to start. I, I mean, yeah, that's always uh-huh. a good place to start. So few people, uh-huh. myself included many days, I would say, oh, yeah. struggle to get in five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Mm-hmm. It's difficult mm-hmm. some days. It is. I agree. Um, I agree. Other days, we're not, not we're not perfect. Nope. Yeah. And if and, and this is what we're trying to say here. If you don't get five to nine every day, it is OK. It's totally fine. If generally you're getting five to nine a day, that's what you want to strive for. But if you have a day or two or three that you're not getting five to nine, don't beat yourself up. It doesn't mean you are not balanced or well or healthy. Right. You'll you'll be fine. It's just you need to make that your your goal overall to have an eating pattern that includes on average five to nine servings or two to three cups a day. All, All about right, so- balance. Can I tell you really quick about the dinner I made tonight? Yes. It's noteworthy. Okay. It's called, they were called, and I made it because it was recommended by somebody I trust. Barbecue, ch- honey barbecue, chicken, taco pizzas. Oh my gosh. Stop it. So here's, here's how it went. You cooked a little bit of bacon, crumbled it up, and then you took cube chicken Mixed it with a couple spices, a little bit of barbecue sauce, a little bit of honey, saute, like just cook that in a tiny bit of oil on the on the stove. Then you took, I used flour tortillas, ditched the whole grains tonight because that's just what I had on hand. Um, and you lay them out on a cookie sh- uh, baking sheet, sprinkle with a little bit of cheese, throw some red onion in there and a little bit of the bacon and then put your chicken in there and you bake them. And then uh-huh. I sprinkled it with um, parsley and served it with a salad. They oh were so good. But I was... That was something that, and I'm jumping ahead to the next question a little bit. That's something that 15 years ago, I would have never considered making. 
Yeah. Because I would have you know said what my kids had for dinner tonight. <laughs> there's not enough like good stuff in there. What they have? Chicken nuggets. <laughs> chicken like nuggets. Like faux and nuggets or, or like real? No, chicken. like legit dinosaur chicken nuggets. <laughs> um, I wasn't here, so Nick made dinner, and that's pretty much what I told him to make. Yeah. So good for you. That sounds delicious. But you know, everyone right now is like, how do you go to work all day long and make that? But we all strive to be unical. It was pretty quick and easy. Honest. It, was it really it? was. Yeah. But did you have to prepare some of that stuff beforehand? I mean, prep before I'm assuming. Okay. So the salad was actually left over from work. Like we had like a vendor bring in the salad on Tuesday and I was like, Oh, everybody's leaving for the week. I'm taking the salad. Um, so that was completely left over from work. I did nothing. And then no, I mean, I would say that meal was the only thing I had to do was cook up some bacon, which I microwave. So it cooks itself in there. And then I just diced up the chicken and mushed it around with those spices and sauce and cooked in a skillet. Like, and then you throw it in the tortillas Mm -hmm. and bake it. Like it's like not, you make it sound gourmet. It tasted gourmet. It was, it was a five-star meal for sure. Yeah. It sounds good. You'll have to post that recipe for us. Okay. Well, so how has your definition changed or your philosophy about healthy eating since you were younger or in school or a new dietitian? Yeah, I would have said for in high school and college, for sure, I would have said healthy was low calorie. And so examples like my dinner where, you know, things like bacon and cheese, corn or flour tortillas, things that are going to be a higher calorie density than many other foods would have would have really been omitted from the diet or used extremely sparingly or on rare occasions. So the focus was 100% on low calorie. It was how how big of a portion could I get for as few as calories as possible? Um, yep. And I think it's been both a shift for me as well as the nutrition field, which is great uh, to see that philosophy change uh, to really be more quality of calories versus the quantity of calories. So uh, just a big shift towards whole foods, variety, um, intuitive eating, all those things. Um, yeah. And and I think that for me personally, I, I kind of embrace that 80-20 type of uh, eating pattern that, and there's no like hardcore like numbers or like, you know, metrics around this at all. But, you know, like during the week, we tend to eat a pretty um, nutritious, I would say like just high nutrient, you know, foods. Um, and 20, you know, the 20% of the time, like say for example, the weekends when Mark and I go out to eat, I'm going to order whatever I want on the menu and Mm -hmm. be a hundred percent okay with that. Where historically that would not have flown. Like I would have probably over-exercised during the day, over-restricted calories, and then probably still not ordered what I wanted off the menu and would have still felt guilty about it. So, uh, just this huge shift, um, really, yeah, just food freedom, um, and just the avoiding those dramatic restrictive changes that often live to those short-term, um, gains with damaging long-term effects for both mind and body. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm so with you and I know we've alluded to this in our, in previous episodes, but I, and, and everything that you just said, I would completely agree with. So I, as I've said, had an eating disorder when I was in school and unfortunately, and I wish I could, I could redo it all over again, but I had my eating disorder in college when I was learning about nutrition. And I, I feel like I would have learned so much better and asked so many more questions and it would just have been a whole different experience had I not been suffering and eating disorder while in school. 
Also, my first 10 years as a dietitian, I had an eating disorder and or disordered eating when I was working as a consultant. So I really look back and fear that I was doing it all wrong. I was so I still had not a good relationship with food. And I feel like I was kind of pushing that on some of my clients in a lot of ways. I focused way too much on weight and helping clients find the perfect low calorie or low carb products. Really, when instead I should have been looking much more at their lifestyle factors and on keeping food fun, uh, I really feel like I demonized their food choices too much. And I wrote out meal plans, intricate diet plans that I know were helpful for most of my clients at first. But looking back, I mean, I can't think of one that actually stuck to it long term. Hmm, wonder why. I considered a healthy diet to include zero wiggle room for anything outside of low-fat dairy, fruits, vegetables, and always 100% whole grains. Like if a client told me they didn't eat a whole grain, it was like blasphemy. How could you do it? You know, very little sugar, very lean proteins, and just no room for error. And I look back and I just, I I feel bad. I, I wish I could meet with them all again and redo it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I wish I could kind of take back those, you know, 10 to 15 years of my life and and enjoy them a little bit more because it was just a bad, bad time. I, I enjoyed life then. I didn't feel unhappy, but looking back, I don't know how I was happy. So yeah. So yeah, things have definitely changed. Now food freedom, intuitive eating is my life and I feel so much better. And also being an intuitive exerciser and being, having mm-hmm. exercise freedom I'm, I'm, I think I was telling you for a while, I kind of became obsessed with my closing my rings on my watch. And I've been Mm -hmm. very proud of myself. I, there have definitely been a few days in the past month, more than a few days where I haven't closed my rings and it has not affected me at all. And that is a real shift for me. So I'm giving myself a pat on the back there. This is a bit of a kind of side sidebar, but I guess listening to you, I think one of my biggest takeaways is that is that at least for people in the nutrition field, which I there's a lot who listen to our podcast that are in the nutrition field or entering the nutrition field, is the importance of having a relationship with food, body image, all of the I mean, exercise, ever all of those things that really creates I mean, it makes you a better practitioner or well, you know. Yeah expert in the field. And so I think that's just something to consider. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I sometimes wonder how they even let me into dietetic school. I don't even know if it's legal, but I feel like, (laughs) although I feel, I think I mentioned this on another episode, right? I do think that some countries actually do not allow women or men who are in treatment for eating disorders to be in school to become a dietitian. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds ludicrous, but it also it makes, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yes. I wish I could have, you know, taken five years and gotten help and then come back as with a whole new relationship with food and then gone to study dietetics. I feel like that would have made a, a huge difference, but I don't you know, think I'm people realize how and- medical nutrition is like when it is not yeah. like people think that, you know, and I was one of them. I went into dietetics thinking, I got this. Like I'm a yeah. pro at calorie counting, right? Like I've got, yeah. like I've been doing this for years. Like I I'm going to ace this. And it was brutal. Like I mean mm. learning about metabolism and nutritional biochemistry and all I mean yeah. anatomy, well, especially physiology. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I, it truly was a medical 
degree. I mean, uh, not, you know, like medicine, but it, it is a medical field for sure. And there's mm-hmm. just such a huge uh, piece of that that um, comes with liability, if you will, in taking care of other people. So I think first and foremost, we have to take care of ourselves, especially since I feel as though your personal beliefs and philosophies about food are definitely going to cast a, I mean, they, they have to influence your perspective and and the way that you're going to treat others. And I I mean that like in a counseling type of setting, not like, Oh, (laughs) they were, you were mean to them. Um, (laughs) Right. No. Yeah. hundred percent. I know what you're saying. And it did, it did. uh, Yes. I would, if I could take any, anyone I saw, you know, 15 years ago and look back at a transcript of if anything I said to them, it would probably be leaps and bounds different from what I would, what I, what I would say to them now, the same mm-hmm. person with the same ailment, whatever it is. So mm-hmm. different. Yep. So, okay. So, so next, what would you like your kids to think about when it comes to having a healthy diet now and in the future? Yeah. So. Um, I gave you my original answer yesterday, so I can I can addend it to be uh, my more uh, balanced. But what I said yesterday was um, I emphasize balance with the kids. So I may say something like we had X, Y, Z, say pizza for lunch. I want to be sure you guys and I'll addend this to say grow um, really strong instead of really tall or, you know, but something as you pointed out to me, Gina, that is maybe focused on like an attribute of strength versus size, stature, that type of thing. Um, yeah. And so what snack would you like that has a fruit or a vegetable? But really emphasizing, um, not necessarily placing things into a good, bad category, but trying to strike that balance between, mm-hmm. um, you know, does pizza have green in it? Does it have orange? I mean, just kind of pointing out some of those things that kids can really resonate with. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that's great. And what I was saying, so when you had first said that you will say, I want you guys to be really tall, I think for me- Like grow really tall, like have the opportunity to grow really tall. <laughs> or just to grow, even just to mm-hmm. say to grow, right? Yep. Because I feel like I would rather focus on something abstract and less based on something like a physical attribute than yep. saying like tall or like what my- I've heard before someone say, you know, I don't want you to be fat, which is something I know you would never say that. And and, and who <sighs> wouldn't know that's a terrible thing to say? Even just using the word fat just makes me cringe. Oh, hurts my heart. Yeah. yeah. So I'll say something similar like, uh, I want you to be really strong or really fast. Or a lot of times I'll say to Paige, I don't want you to have cavities like your dad. <laughs> <laughs> if you look in Nick's mouth, it's full of metal. So oh, that'll scare him. Nick off. going under the bus tonight. <laughs> What else did I say? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just just don't back up over him again. No, I'm totally kidding. Yeah, I, I can't make any promises. All right. So for me, I think the most important thing that I want my kids to remember is that food is supposed to be fun and enjoyable and should never cause them stress. And I really want to portray that by me not having stress around food and me showing that I enjoy food and that food for me is fun. I think that's key. Everything fits into a healthy diet or a balanced diet and what might be right for a friend of theirs may not necessarily be right for you. So kind of like what you were saying, it's individualized um, to each person. And I'm really talking about specifically when they get into middle school here. I I just know that once they get on social media, talking with friends, they're going to have friends who are on diets or are following, following something, whether it's keto or intermittent fasting, it's probably going to happen sooner than we think. 
So I want them to know that that's fine if a friend wants to do something like that, but it might not necessarily be the right thing to do. If they want to play around with things here and there, that's fine. But I just really want them to know the bottom line is that food should be fun. Eating should be fun and sustainable and include a variety of new foods and shouldn't limit foods. You know, I could go on, but I'm not going to. I think and you're really good about encouraging. Like, I, I feel as though you kind of your bottom line is I want you to try something new. Yes. Well, you're good at that, too. Yeah, I, I, I do like my kids to explore new flavors and new textures and and keep it fun. I, I keep going yeah. back to the word fun, but that's that's what I want it to be. I never want food to be stressful for them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, I think, the bottom line. You know, I grew up where I, I felt like my mom for a lot of times in her life, food was stressful because she always was counting calories or trying weight. And so I looked, I, I, that's what I saw growing up. I don't want my kids to ever think of food as stressful. Yep. So, yeah. All right. So I think we'd be remiss not to talk about orthorexia just to kind of end this, this episode about how eating healthy isn't perfect. So those with orthorexia are more or less striving for perfection in their meal plan. So it's currently actually not a diagnosis in the diagnostic manual, but my bets are that it, it soon will be just with, you know, with bulimia and, and anorexia. So people with orthorexia become so fixated on a so-called healthy diet that they actually damage their own well-being because it's so difficult to achieve that perfection. Orthorexia has developed due to, to the pernicious nature of our diet and food culture And I'm going to end this episode with my favorite quote, which I'm pretty sure I made. If someone wants to chime in and say that they've heard this before, but I'm pretty sure I came up with this quote. I love saying this. Healthy eating isn't perfect and perfect eating isn't healthy. And whenever anyone says to me anything about, you know, makes any comment about, you know, I ate this. I shouldn't have eaten that. Why did I eat that? I always come out with that quote. You know, healthy eating isn't perfect. And perfect eating isn't healthy. So I love it. (laughs) Thanks. All right. So mom wins favorite new products. I'll start with mine. We made your cookies and I'm going to put the link in our show notes, the superfood breakfast cookies. I was just, I wanted to make cookies one day, but I wanted something that had me maybe a little bit more bulk and nutrition in there. So I found your cookies, but I, as always, I modify all the time, depending on what I have in the kitchen. So I used whole wheat flour instead of, I think you had oat flour or brown rice flour in there. I added chocolate chips and I used raisins instead of craisins. And I also added chopped cashews and they were delicious. Yeah. 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 Love breakfast cookies there. Mm-hmm. It's an easy sell for kids. You want cookies for breakfast? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they exactly. don't know the difference. <laughs> um, and they're delicious. Yeah. I would say my mom win is Brussels sprouts. So I think we kind of got sprouted out uh, last season and it's just not something I've purchased in say the last six-ish months and have this week, last week and Piper, well, both everybody's loving it, but Piper, especially the three-year-old, um, she will eat all the Brussels sprouts I give her and request more before touching anything else on her plate lately. Um <laughs> impressive. I know it's uh, small wins. It's like, okay, something's going right. Uh, So that's exciting. Okay. Um, Can I read our awesome review that we got today? Yes. Uh, Okay. Just in time. Just in time. Okay. So it's Coe, 
E-Y-212, said, this is this podcast is so relatable with everything in my life. I'm a total recipe nerd and absolutely love trying new foods and recipes. I love listening to every topic you discuss. I often feel like I'm sitting with a couple of my girlfriends having a glass of wine, chowing down on some yummy food. Thank you for this podcast. Five stars. <laughs> Woo. Well, she needs to bring a beer to our next episode. Right? Yeah. We're, we're so- going to need help. <laughs> for sure. Coming up on October 27th. So thank you, Coey. I think, Coey, uh, that was very, very nice. Coming up on October 27th, we will be dishing about our fall holidays, current and past, specifically Halloween, Thanksgiving, and kind of going into the holiday season. We're also going to do another taste test, but this time we're going to do candy and specifically new candy that we've never tried before or that is new since we were a kid. And then we're also going to do some fall beer taste testing. So, Koei, you'll have to bring a beer to the next episode (laughs) and drink with us. Uh, so we're going to have, I think five or six beers to try and we're going to give our feedback. Cause I know, you know, in over the holidays and in the fall, you might have more relatives stopping by. So it's always good to have a fridge that is stocked with some good tasty football season. <laughs> football season. You want some dietitian approved beer in your fridge, right? <laughs> perfect episode following our healthy eating isn't perfect episode. So until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitian's Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. And honestly, you don't even have to write anything. You can just fill out the stars and we'd be very appreciative. Until next time, everyone and Nicole, be well. Take care, Talk Gina. to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.